Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop, and our time together on these podcasts is meant to equip you and inspire you to help you learn and grow and gain new ideas and insights that compel you to action, that compel you to live life courageously and confidently, and to live a life that is unhindered and unleashed, to play full out and live fully into who you were created to be. And oftentimes, we are not living a life unleashed because there are things, whether we're conscious of them or not, that keep us stuck. And on our show today, Lisa Hasse, founder and lead strategist of Rise Consulting International, is here to talk about core root issues in our lives that can keep us stuck. And we'll talk specifically about the role shame plays in our lives and how that can hinder us from living fully into who we were created to be. Well, I'm personally excited about our time together because Lisa is a very good friend of mine. We've known each other for, I think we calculated about 20 years, so I'm excited for you guys to listen and learn from her today. Lisa, welcome to the show. It's great to be here with you, Lisa. It's so great to be with you, and I can't believe that 20 years of our lives have flashed by us. Isn't it crazy? I know. Didn't our parents always tell us that was going to happen, and we didn't believe them, and now we know. I know, but who listens to your parents? When you're a teenager, you're like, I got this. You can't tell me anything. I can't learn anything from you. (laughs) But lo and behold, they're often right. Well, I'm excited about our topic today, and, and I might think to myself, well, why is shame an exciting topic? Well, it's exciting because we can get unleashed and unhinged from the things that keep us stuck, and that is one thing that does keep us stuck. But you you talk about this word tethered when you talk about some of your programs, and I've actually been part of some of your programs, which I want to mention really quickly, is about probably not quite 20 years ago, maybe 17 years ago or so, I was actually in one of your programs. I think it was entitled Relational Realities at yes. the time. And it was so instrumental in me getting unstuck and untethered identifying core root issues in my life that I was not even aware of that were really driving my behavior and driving my life. And when I was able to be aware of them and to get some skills and tools to be unleashed from them and untethered, it really opened up things for my life. And I really firmly believe set me on a trajectory that I would not have been on had I not participated in that program with you. So I'm just so grateful for the investment that you made in my life. And I love that your passion is helping people to get unstuck. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that passion of yours. Well, I really think that it's true for all of us, um, not just you, not just me, but every person is stuck somewhere, I believe. And so we need each other. We need community to help us to figure that out. And so we just provide some opportunities of a safe place for people to really figure those things out with each other, from hearing from each other, et cetera. But we're tethered. We're tethered to decisions that we've made, um, failures that we have, whether they're in our distant past or our close past or even in our present time, we get stuck to things, even people, even relationships. And so we have to figure out a way together to help each other become untethered to those things because they really rule and guide our lives in either subtle or um covert or overt ways, really. Mm-hmm. So things that have happened that I'm either aware of or not aware of that are keeping 
me stuck. So I really need to identify those things right. to be released from them. Yeah, they can be thought patterns. They can be relationships. They can be decisions I've made, the failures, as we mentioned. Hmm. So they, we can be aware of them, and we can be unaware of them. Right, right. You mentioned uh, the core root issues. Tell us a little bit more about that. What 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 is a core root issue, or how, how can you help us understand that a little bit more? Well, there are a lot of different core root issues. A few of them, just to give people examples, it would be a core root issue of rejection or shame, which we're going to talk about today, or abandonment. And um, like a tree— there's an author that I've um, referred to and used materials from, Ken Freeman. And one of the things he uses is the illustration of a tree, which I think is actually a beautiful illustration for us. Because a tree, if you think of an oak tree with a vast branch system above ground that are beautiful, that same tree has as vast of a root system underground. So what we only see, so if I'm driving along on the parkway or I'm in a forest, I, I see above ground this beautiful tree stump and I see these beautiful leaves, hopefully, and so this just gorgeous thing in nature. But you're saying that below the surface is something that is equally rooted or equally growing? Yes, exactly. So it's as vast as what you see above ground is happening below ground to support that tree, to give it nutrients, to give it life, to right. produce fruit if it's a tree be- fruit-bearing tree. And it produces either good stuff or bad stuff, depending on what's happening underground in the root system. But even more importantly than that, each tree has what's called a taproot. And the taproot is a big, fat, thick root that goes directly straight down, and it holds nutrients. It's like a reservoir, and it holds nutrients and water when the tree really needs it to uh, help sustain the life above ground. And as we know, trees can bear great fruit. They can have pretty leaves. They can be brown and dying. They can have bad fruit, decaying fruit, or no fruit at all. And I think our life, that mirrors that. We want to understand what is our root system underground, what is in that tap root, and what's really nourishing us, Hmm. either to the good or to the bad. And we've got to figure that out because that really is what produces what we see above ground. So above ground, when we talk about core root issues, above ground, you'll see things like anger or resentment or depression or anxiety or things that we might see in our behaviors or other people might see. And we want to find out what's feeding that. And usually it's something underground. Sometimes it's in the root system. Sometimes it's in the taproot, which is what I would call our wounded identity. Hmm. And so we want to get to that and see what's below our emotions, what's below our anger, what's below that that might be in that taproot, Mm -hmm. like rejection, like shame, like abandonment. Talk a little bit about shame because I think that shame, especially in the last handful of years, has really gotten a lot of press and a lot of people are talking about it. So talk about shame in reference to kind of being tethered, core root issue. Tell us a little bit more about that. So what's interesting is we've talked about this already, that for 20 years we've been doing this kind of work with mm. people, right? So it's it's as old as the garden, if you will. Right. But um, shame, there's two kinds, really. There is this conviction, which is... Um, can be produced good fruit in our life. It's when we kind of adjust our behaviors because there's something inside of us. There's our, something that we're doing or deciding to do or others have done to us, and we know it doesn't right fit with our moral compass. And it gives us a check in our spirit. It makes us think differently before we go and hurt somebody or hurt ourselves because of that. Mm-hmm. That would be conviction. That would be a positive way 
that um, we are nudged into wholeness or unleashed, if you will. Right. But then there's condemnation. And condemnation is really about suppression. It's really about holding us stuck. It's really about keeping us in a place. And sometimes it comes from other people that that we receive and put it upon ourselves. Sometimes it's our own thinking. Sometimes it's because, we, like we said, we're tethered to stuff from our past or our recent future. I mean, excuse me, our present um, that really keeps us in a place that we don't need to be. I think the distinction between conviction and condemnation is actually one that's really, really important because specifically, like, we get convicted of things in our lives. It's kind of that that moral compass uh, that you were mentioning that— um, that tells us, hey, something's not quite right here. And God really uses conviction in a healthy way to say, hey, something you're saying or doing, you may want to kind of check yourself on that so that we can take a more healthy path. But then there is this idea of condemnation, which usually leads to shame. And shame is not, like, shame is not healthy. (laughs) Shame is not of God. And I've even heard uh, the distinction of shame being I'm bad rather than something I did or said was bad or wrong and I shouldn't have said it. Shame internalizes and has something to do with me being bad and now that's my identity. And that's just not accurate. It is not accurate. And that's where we do get tripped up. That is why it can cause us and others so much pain if we get stuck in this place. It's really important for us to identify what our core issues are. So we can move forward into what we, you say is our full potential. Yeah. So how how do we? What do we do with the shame thing? Because it sounds great, and it's like yes, <laughs> I don't want to be tripped up from shame. But what, like practically, how do we even start to get after that? Well, I think it's really important because identifying shame and um, whether it's unbridled or unchecked triggers us. Um, into current situations that happen in our life that might be from the past. So you might be in a current situation and it gets triggered. So what we need to do is to identify what causes shame. And we can look at different things like shame-based characteristics and behaviors that we have. And I think we're going to touch on that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important that we become aware of what these things are that we have some things buried alive inside of us that are causing bad fruit, if you will. And we have things that maybe we have forgotten about um, that we ourselves have buried alive inside of us or that others are doing that they are unaware of. And boundaries might become an issue that we have to understand and, and be alive with. Yeah. So I think it's really about identifying and becoming aware of. And I don't think you can do that alone. I think you have to do that in the context of friendship and community and with people who have understand this particular issue. Right. What are, because you've done extensive work with hundreds and not thousands of people on the shame topic, so what are some of the, the, the things that you see repeatedly coming up shame? So some different shame categories. So shame could come from, wow, in high school or college or in my first job, I really flubbed on something or I really kind of failed on a project, and now I feel so much shame from it. Or shame could be—tell tell us some other examples of what are some typical kind of shame categories that people deal with. So it can be something, like you said, that is individual to you. So you cheated on a test in college, you lied, you're living out a lie right now that isn't congruent with who you really are or isn't true— um, it can be a behavior that you have. It can be based on anger, 
like usually up underneath anger is shame, typically, if you really dig deep enough. So you can have outbursts of anger, you can have things that are happening to you or in context of different relationships that get triggered, and it can be rooted in shame. Um, you could have made decisions. People have broken relationships and have broken other people's hearts. You have chosen to get an abortion or not. Um, you have maybe somebody had to give up a child to be adopted, and that's a really great thing. It's not a bad thing, but for some reason that person's carrying the burden around of um, that being having been a bad thing mm-hmm. or a bad choice. Um, relationships we choose to be in, the type of work we choose to do. There can be a lot of things that happen in our current life, past life. Maybe somebody was abused mm-hmm. in a, as a child, and you're carrying around the weight of the shame of that, and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. There is freedom that is available to each one of us. So how? what if people, and I, there might be people thinking, well, I don't, I don't think I have any shame in my life. How, how, how do we identify that? How do we identify if we're stuck in shame and we, we don't even notice it? That's really interesting. The thing that was eye-opening for me a long time ago when I really delved deep into this was from a book called The Shame or Shame the Thief of Intimacy. And they listed characteristics. I'm going to read through a few of the characteristics that might give some people an aha moment as they listen in. And sometimes the definition is um, or the topic or the way they list it versus the full definition might catch us um, a little bit more. So things like People who have characteristics of shame-based people are, they struggle with low self-esteem. I think that's a lot of us. I Mm. think a lot of people at times in our lives struggle with low self-esteem. Perhaps you have a prevailing low-grade depression that you struggle with. Um, Shame grids. We have filters that we sift all of our incoming information through, and it just gives us a little bit of a twist on that information and makes it a little darker or a little negative than it needs to be. We compare and compete with each other, Mm. okay? Uh, we can't bear criticism. That's often an indicator of a shame-based person. We blame others for our mistakes. That's interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. We feel like we don't belong. There's Probably all of us at some point in time in our life have felt like we don't belong somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, we're excruciatingly self-focused, perhaps. Uh, we can be very appearance-oriented, idolatrous, meaning we get our identity from something else other than who we really are at our core, Uh, often become addicted. Uh, We want intimacy, but when it comes toward us, we push it away. Hmm. That's another characteristic of shame-based people. Uh, Things are black and white or all or nothing. We are unaware or dishonest with our feelings. We become often physically tired. I mean, that just tells you the physical bear that we, you know, burden we bear. Okay, so you're reading this list, and (laughs) what if— more than one of those things applies to a listener right now? Or what if more than one of those things applies to me? As I'm hearing you read that list, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that a lot of those things I can I can resonate with. I think that's true of all of us. And I think that when I read the list a long time ago, and I was kind of unpacking this in my own life, I felt the same way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm on every page. Mm. You know, you ever read a book that's one of the self-help books or something, Mm -hmm. and you're reading and you're like, well, that's me. Or if you've read, you know, the Bible and you see, oh, this guy did this and this guy did this and this guy did this and God still loved him. And it's just like, well, that could have been me or that was me. Um, I find great freedom 
Because this is the first step, becoming aware that this might be something where you're stuck. Mm-hmm. And then what we can do is provide some opportunities for people, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but to really unpack this further. Mm-hmm. So I think the one thing that, you know, sometimes even though we want things to change about ourselves, which is actually healthy because we, you know, and part of the the purpose of this podcast is to really inspire people and compel people to action and transformation and change. So I think sometimes we make ourselves bad or wrong thinking like, oh my gosh, this is me. But we have to realize that life is a series of growing too. And we didn't pop out of the womb perfectly, clearly not. And and we have to, I think, give ourselves grace in the process as we're learning and growing. And the I think the evidence of not giving ourselves grace or even, frankly, giving each other grace is another indication that shame is is wreaking havoc. When we start to like judge ourselves for where we're at in life mm-hmm. or maybe even judge other people as well, that that seems that it could be very shame-driven. Yes, that- and, and actually shame perpetuates shame, mm-hmm. and grace perpetuates grace. And so we can't give away what we don't have. And so if we don't feel the grace ourselves, it's hard to extend that to somebody else. And so there you see in our broken world this happening every day, day in and day out, whether you're in the workplace, whether you're in the marketplace, whether you are in um, – uh, friendship circles in a significant relationship or not. It just, it all breaks breaks us down. So can you tell us, tell us a little bit, because I, I would love our listeners to take away from this conversation, how, how do they get started on identifying shame and how do we get started on moving past that? I know that you mentioned being in a community can help us identify some of these things and help us process, et cetera. But are there any other things that you have found helpful that have helped you to to start tackling some of these things, uncovering them and, and moving through them? Well, uncovering is a great word because there's two things that I would want to say about that question. And one is that there are shame covers, and some of them are overt and covert, and they are actually behaviors that we do. So in addition to the characteristics, let me just mention a few of these and help people to dig a little bit further, even as they're listening now, and then we can point them in a, in a direction. So some shame covers withdrawal types of behaviors where we kind of hide this deficit in ourselves or or we think we are, are avoiding social interactions and procrastinating or indecisiveness, anesthetizing with food or other types of substance addictions. Um, we also become people pleasers. We're nice all the time. We have few boundaries. Some overt behaviors are our perfectionism, uh, humor, this um, overly involved, extremely verbal controlling or rigid, um, judgmental. Uh, the other one that I think is was interesting for me was sarcasm. Hmm. Often it's socially acceptable to be, have a sarcastic humor, hmm. and it's really not. It's really an indicator that there's something being hidden underneath all of that, some right. sort of a pain point. Okay. And, um, and so I say all of this to say, okay, here's some ways to identify perhaps if you're struggling with this particular issue. Mm-hmm. What can you do about it? Well, there are f- therapists that are would be great to help you with that. So seek out some professional help perhaps if you feel like it's an area stuck. Seek out perhaps a church environment that has a care in, um, ministry for people who are really trying to grow in relationships and become whole from the inside out. 
Mm-hmm. We have we provide a group at Rise Consulting that we offer in different cities uh, what I would call a care immersion where you can come into a safe environment where you're protected from you know judgment mm-hmm. and you are able to freely express some of your story or some bits of this that you've identified and be with other people who are doing the same kind of work to really get released from that because I believe our greatest areas of pain bring us into and drive us into community, and that's where the healing, and that's where the hope, and that's where the friendship, and that's where real life takes place. Yeah, and I want you to tell us about the details of that because I think you have one coming up in Chicago in January, but something you said uh, resonated with me in that you mentioned that shame causes us to hide, and so even as you read those list of things and help us to identify and uncover some of these shame things. Sometimes our natural inclination is to be shameful about those shame things, <laughs> right? And then those can be the things that help us or keep us from engaging in community, engaging in healthy community, and from fully being authentic with who we are. And so I don't think we can live a life fully unleashed and unhindered unless we identify those things. And unless I think it takes a lot of courage, a lot of courage to say, hey, you know what, I I recognize some of those shame triggers that I just heard. And I think it takes a tremendous amount of courage to say, I'm actually going to lean in and I'm going to do something about it, whether it be counselor, close friend that you can confide in. But I think the thing that's super, super important is that we enter into a relationship where we can be honest about it, where there's going to be non-judgment. Because when there's judgment, man, the shame, we go right back into hiding. And then we have evidence. See, I knew I shouldn't have really revealed who I am and, you know, all of my stuff because... I was right. I got rejected. So we also need to be, I think, aware of being that person. Can other people come to us confidently and saying, hey, Lisa is a safe space. I can come to her and I could say the things that I'm struggling with. And I know that she's going to hold that space for me, not judgmentally, and really um, be present with me to help me kind of relearn or unlearn some of these things that, that keep me keep me stuck. But friendships can be really instrumental in that, right? They can be very instrumental in that. And it just takes one person to model the strength and the courage to be honest about their own life in front of somebody else, and it really unleashes the next person. I have found the more I've shared my personal story and my struggles and my freedom from some of the struggles that I've had over my life, over the 20 years that you and I have known each other— right. When I can speak that out, it takes the power out of it. Mm. That hidden beach ball like under the water, mm-hmm. once that beach ball like busts out of the water, it takes a lot of strength to hold a beach ball underwater. So you're you're using a lot of your energy to keep these things hidden. And it only takes one courageous step with the right person to be free and mm-hmm. to be unleashed. And I think we have to lead and model that first for people so that they know that we're safe. Yeah. So that they know they can come toward us and say the secret things in their lives and not be judged. Mm-hmm. And so we have to do that for each other. Well, even I think of a conversation that you and I had last week, and I've been experiencing shame around feeling stuck in an area of my life where I think I just, I feel like there's more in me. I feel like God created uh me to like step into something even bigger than myself and not status-wise or frame or anything like that. But I, I just feel like, oh, I'm not fully living into my full potential and what God has for me. And 
And frankly, that's been a struggle that's come up for me periodically in my 40 plus years of life on this planet. And there could be even shame around that because, you know, Instagram and Facebook and, you know, all these other social media outlets, which are awesome, can sometimes lead us to to compare. And you mentioned comparing a little bit earlier is then I compare and there's shame around that. There's shame around I'm not where I'm supposed to be, et cetera. So this conversation that you and I had last week when I was just, I even said, you know what, I am ashamed to bring this up with you because I've talked about it before and I'm afraid that you are going to get sick of me. And so my inclination is to stay in hiding, try and deal with it on my own. But to your point too, like we're not going to get free of this stuff by dealing it, be dealing with it on our own. And you and I are both followers of Christ. So that is a very key component for us and that we, through prayer, through God's word, through talking with other people firmly rooted in faith, because our identity has to be firmly rooted in God, because if it's firmly rooted in anything outside of God or anything external, mm-hmm. external things change. And so then we're just going to be chase, chasing this identity, the shame thing for the rest of our lives. But, you know, being firmly rooted in who our identity is in God and who He created us to be, I mean, even that that's challenging, right? But I just, I really appreciated, you're like, girl, I'm not going to get tired of you. And, and I, I'll be honest, it's hard for me to even believe that. Not that I think that you're lying, but there's such deep-rooted shame and not, you know, knowing all the answers or having it figured out yet. And well, it's like, la. Well, yeah. I'm a verbal processor, so it's going to take a lot for somebody to get tired or for me to tire of somebody else who's verbally processing because I so appreciate it when other people listen to me. So I do think that that, you know, finding the right person is important. Um, But you know what? The other thing, I read this, uh, saw this meme not too long ago, and it said, do not compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. Yeah, that's good. And I thought, oh, that is so good because we're all starting something somewhere, Hmm. no matter what age we are. Whether it's your new business at 50 years old, whether it's your a new career, whether it's new friendships or a new relationship, everybody's starting something new. If we really are leading an unleashed life. Mm-hmm. So stop looking at everybody's newsreels on mm-hmm. Instagram and Facebook as if that's those are the highlight reels. That's what's going well in their life. People aren't talking about their divorce or their broken relationship or their boyfriend that cheated on them. Or, or, or. Mm-hmm. So let's not compare my beginning or your beginning to somebody else's middle and think we're failing. Right. Let's provide some space for each other and let's extend grace mm-hmm. for people to be heard and listened to and from the heart. The presence, the, our presence in front of each other um, is not via text, but in front of each other is really, really important, and we're losing some of that in the world, and we're hoping to provide that for each other more and more. Right, right. And that's just one example of how shame can play out, but I'm even thinking about relationally uh, with shame, how we don't uh, fully show up in relationships sometimes because there's this thing that if they really knew that about me, then they wouldn't want to be my friend, be in relationship with me. And so if that's you right now and you're you know, you want to be in a relationship or in a relationship and you're you're holding something back thinking, gosh, if that person knew this, they wouldn't like me. Like, what do we what do we do about that? And that's kind of a tender one because one thing that I would, would say is that we don't we don't spill our beans to everyone like that. That just would not be wise, right? It's just uh, a friend once told me, you know, there's kind of this big thing these days to be authentic. And But what, what he said is authentic doesn't mean that you tell everything about yourself to everyone. That does not mean, that's not what authentic, authenticity is. But how, like, how do we discern, how do we discern that? 
That takes a little time um, and a little trial and error, unfortunately, too. So you're right. You do not want to tell your whole life story to everybody. There's some things that are sacred. It's really sacred ground. It's really your story. And who do you want to expose that to? So you have to do it with some trusted friends. Mm-hmm. And you have to try. And that's why we pr- try to provide some safe space for people to do that, even if the, there's strangers in the room, because at least gives everybody an opportunity to say something that they've had buried alive, maybe for the first time. Yeah, And you might try it, and you might do it with somebody, and you realize that their reaction is different than what you needed it or expected. And so it's a learning experience that way if you're testing it with your own circle of friends and family. But there are safe places to do that, to to take that first step toe in the water. Mm-hmm. could be one of our care emergents. It could be with a therapist. It could be with a trusted friend. It could be with a pastor. Mm-hmm. Like find your first step to be somewhere, somebody that you know better than just the average bear out there. Right, right. No, I think that's a good point. And also, it, we don't want to not want to tell our stories to everyone because we should be ashamed of them, but rather that we have to be wise about who who will hold that space for us tenderly and non-judgmentally to help us come out of hiding and that we can do that for one another. And, and that just there's nothing uh, more powerful than being released from the things that have kept us stuck or just kind of kept a covering over us from really, again, fully living into the life that God created us to have. And what you find out sometimes when you share your deepest secrets for the first time to somebody that's trusted is that they have similar experiences or something that they can relate deeply to. So they're not just sympathetic, but they can be empathetic. And that's another key Mm. thing to be aware of. People can sympathize, but if if they've experienced it, they can then empathize with you. And that's a whole nother level of care that somebody can offer to you. Yeah. So, you know, I lost both my parents within four months' time, for example. Mm-hmm. When I sit with somebody who's lost their parents at a time together like that, there's a whole different exchange that happens with me than when I'm sitting with a friend who's never lost a parent or maybe has lost one parent. It's just a different level. You don't necessarily want to belong to those clubs, mm. but we do. Yeah. And so when you do and you find somebody else that can not just sympathize with you but empathize with you and not allow you to stay stuck there, but because they have moved on, you see your future and that you can move on, that's a really sweet place to be. Yeah, that's really interesting, too, in that when we find commonalities and we find a lot of our life experiences are common experiences that we have and that the the fear loses its grip too when we see gosh i'm not the only one that thinks that way i'm not the only one that feels that way wow <laughs> not feeling alone is a really big part of that process of kind of normalizing some of these things that we experience yeah and everybody experiences similar things and we all experience grief but to get stuck somewhere is about our own work. Hmm. And one of the things I think that I have learned over the years is that there are people that fight for the right to stay stuck, too. Hmm. And so are you going to be a person that fights for the right to stay stuck where you're at because that's who I am and that's how I was raised or that's what happened to me? Or are you going to choose life and to live it more abundantly and adventurously and find a safe place to get unstuck? Yeah, which will take a lot of courage, and I'm hoping that we all fall into the latter camp because you were created to live life, as you said, to the to the fullest and to be unleashed and unhindered from the things that hold you back so that you can 
also make your best contribution to the world around you right. um, in your healing. Well, Lisa, before we wrap up, just tell us a little bit about the details of the immersion program that you have coming up in Chicago in January. So in Chicago in January, we are going to do a care immersion. It's going to be a three-day experience where you come Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, hoping that that's a good time for people to kind of be free from work and home and make some plans. And um, we will be together in a group. Space is limited. So if you want to inquire about that, you could shoot me an email to lisa at riseconsultingintl.com or call me at 708 250 6535 as we start to plan for our mid-January Chicago experience. Awesome. I'm so excited that you're doing this again. It's been so long in Chicago, and it was so instrumental in my life. So you guys, I highly recommend that you email Lisa, give her a call, learn a little bit more about the program, because it is time for you right now to take that step to being unhindered and unleashed and live the life that you were created to live. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for hanging out today. I love you. You're amazing. Thank you for your passion for God, the passion for helping people to realize their full potential and just really be released to, again, live fully into the life that was intended for them. Well, it's been a pleasure to be here, and I'm thankful for your friendship and for your honesty and your openness to be um, in my life, too, and help me to grow and change. Love you, girl. Hey, guys, thanks again for listening and looking forward to you tuning in next time. 